0: Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Back Chat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
1: Alrighty, I'm excited about this one. We don't do big intros, as I always say every week. Welcome to Back Chat. Um, We've got um, Shelter, Margaret River Roasting, uh, Whippersnapper, uh, Bluebet, Leadville Cameras, and of course, Dean Bradley, all supporters of this podcast, making things happen for you. And we love you. Thanks for listening. We got a great man in the house, Daniel Southern. How are you, mate? Good day, Will.
2: How, Dan? Hey, Dan. How are you
1: both? Yeah, really good, mate. Um, look, it's it's a bit of a blast from the past. He played footy for you know, a little while ago now, but I was a, um, I was a footy fan growing up, a Geelong fan. So I was born in '89, so the '90s was my footy life. You know, I used to deck the house up in blue and white, and used to see the dogs playing down the road. But you're a West Australian boy.
2: Yeah, so I got drafted uh, by the Bulldogs back in 1992 and it was a bit of a dream come true for me to go over to Victoria. I always grew up watching the VFL. And, uh, yeah, to get an opportunity to play and, yeah, for the dogs was just, as I said, a dream come true. But growing up in Western Australia, the Eagles came in in, oh, what was it, 87, I think, yeah. when they started. So, you know, I always sort of had that initial sort of, um, I guess, foundation years of supporting the VFL. So when the Eagles came into the competition, I was uh, still very much uh, a Victorian club supporter.
1: So so I've, I've jumped ahead. The first question we always Every time. ask our
2: guests, okay,
1: so... We're going to get into your footy career, life after footy, played 100 games uh, for the Western Bulldogs, you played in some finals, your premiership player for Claremont, we're going to get into all of that. But the first question we ask every guest is, we know you've played footy, we know you can play footy, but we want to know your greatest sporting achievement, not on the AFL field. We ask every guest whether they're a cricketer, you can't take your sport of choice. Um Dan, of course, um of pro- course. prolific cricketer. <laughs> yeah. um, you may have seen the trophy behind you,
0: yep. uh, Daniel, just just um just spinning them left right. Was it right? Yeah, to left? Spin, bowling leg spin to uh, under twelves when I was under twelve as well. And uh yeah, grand final ball there, that's the ball from it. Five weeks of sixteen runs. Brilliant, Dan. Pretty good. We've had
1: we've had footy players that are athletes, we've had uh mu- we've had leads in musicals, yes. we've had poker players, we've had surfers and skaters, all footy players. Did you have have any other talents and greatest sporting achievement off the football field?
2: Well, I guess the greatest must have been West Australian javelin champion. Oh, yeah! I used to chuck a spear back in my day. Really? Yeah, so I used to Great. throw barefoot. Yeah, back in the days where you could sort of well, run right, around. While everyone else was wearing shoes. Everyone was wearing – back. yeah, in fact, then was wearing shoes. So, yeah, I used to yeah, take the line with uh, barefoot and used to throw that spear as far as I could. So wow. I was 3 times state champion, and then I um, ended up losing my title. I thought I'd get ahead of the game, you know. You always want to get the competitive edge. So I got hold of some glucose, going for four in a row, and I had this big bag of – Glucose, and I'd dosed up before the event, and you wouldn't believe it. I was buzzing and burned all my energy by the time it come to throw for the state championship. Yeah, I got smoked. So, yeah, <laughs> oh, learned my lesson ridiculous. early not to try and take uh, that competitive edge too far. But yeah, I used to love throwing the javelin. Oh
0: man, also was a javelin guy, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah. Who do you on? reckon would we'll win out of you and Hayden Ballantyne at a time?
2: I've probably got a little bit more hard on him. Yeah. so <laughs> yeah. I, I'd back myself <laughs> yeah, in. I, I unofficially broke the Australian record back in the day. Um, but yes. yeah, obviously wasn't in in, um, in competition at the time. So yeah, but I ended up hurting my elbow. It was a story of my life as getting injured. But I ended
0: up hurting my elbow and sort of gave the javelin away after that.
1: Um, oh mate, this How is, you is why you we. Get into this is why Because
0: that for seems sure. like one of those obscure sports. As a youngster, like no one's putting a javelin in your hand.
2: Yeah, it was a bit unusual. I wasn't that quick on the track. I used to love to doing little aths, and yeah. um, the field events were my go and I wasn't a big burly kid. You know, some of them early maturers used to throw the shot put in the discus <laughs> yeah. and I probably didn't have the technique for the discus and the javelin for some reason just used to launch. I had an unusual sort of hold. I had it sort of in the V and yeah, it used to launch it. So it right. was yeah, and 49, I think 49.82 when I was about 12. Yeah, 49
1: more about metres than I could throw a javelin, <laughs> yeah. I reckon. i was absolutely shocking at javelin back in the day. And that's why I love that question because we find out some, Interesting thing about our guess. So, Daniel Southern, West Australian boy, you get drafted to the Western Bulldogs. Um, growing up here in Perth, though, um, am, I, am I right? I've
2: done a little bit of
1: research. Was your mum Tanzanian? Grew up in Uganda? Yeah, that's Is that right.
2: Yeah, that's right, Will. Yeah, so mum, mum was born in, in Tanzania wow. and she lived in East Africa till she was 17 and her family huh. migrated out to Australia and ended up in the Kimberley of WA in town called Derby, so... Um, is so, that where, so
1: is that where you grew up? Yeah, yeah. I was
2: born in Derby, so I, I moved down to Perth when I was five, so foundation years are up there, and then sort of most of my sort of younger years was growing up around Wembley, not too far from where we are today.
1: Because because post-career, you've, you've done some work with Clontarf, who work with Indigenous youth and, and mentoring and, and that sort of stuff. Is, is, is that sort of full circle... That, that sort of work then, given yeah. the, you know Derby and the the way you grew
2: up, yeah, very much so. Yeah, I think that early exposure to sort of Indigenous communities when I was young growing up, um, always had a really strong connection with all the Aboriginal players I played with and um, all of my mates growing up were yeah, um, were Indigenous fellas. So it's um yeah it was. I guess when I was looking for sort of life after footy and um, I'd sort of took over, lived overseas for a little um, while and then when I came back to live in Australia, it was, yeah, I knew that Jared Neesham had been doing it. He was obviously the founder of um, the Clontarth Foundation. He coached me at Claremont back in uh, 1993 to a premiership. So I'd been keeping track of what he'd been doing from afar. I thought, geez, I'd love to get involved there. And for me, it was just a a great learning experience. I spent time in Tennant Creek, Alice Springs and worked in one of the schools here in Perth, which has a a boarding hostel. So I worked with all the young men from WA, Northern Territory, and yeah, just great exposure to the Indigenous culture and learnt so much from the journey.
1: So footy as a young guy, you you hurt your knee as a 15-year-old. You spend time at West Coast. Uh, West Coast, look after your rehabilitation, maybe some surgeries, you know, really get you on track and football is a big part of your life growing up especially as you know 15 16 17 year old
2: yeah very much so I was a little bit of a scallywag let's say probably the age of about <laughs> 14 yeah a little bit mischievous <laughs> just uh, you know like to go and explore a little bit but um yeah so footy was was my love from about the age of five I grew up in Wembley and Subaco Oval was just down the road and used to sneak into the waffle games and state of origin games used to have on the Tuesday afternoon used to get down there and wag school blow up the <laughs> balloons on grand final they used to do the helium balloons so we used to go and that was <laughs> a way to get into the grand final for free you go and pump up the balloons in the back shed and then you go on the oval, let them loosen and in you go. So yeah, just love my footy growing up and it was always a dream of mine to play in the AFL. I went for Swan Districts here in, in yes. Perth and my I love cats I love animals and my two cats were named after my favourite footballers Ron Boucher and uh, Keith Narkle. so one was called Boucher
0: and one was Narkel <laughs> yeah so it goes way back Will but well, that's yeah great. did you so, just um, love my footy did you address them by their full name sometimes if like they you know pissed on something you like <laughs> <to. laughs> <laughs> no I didn't or just Boucher where
2: he used to get a bit of a spray
0: yeah but um, that poor cat yeah when I was young he
2: used to get tucked into the bottom of my bed underneath the doona cover and he wasn't allowed to escape so he sort of conceded in the end but yeah I loved Boucher when I was young.
1: Hey, how how does that connection with West Coast happen then? Because you, you, you're young, you young, know, you know, you haven't been drafted. Is there just a, a zonage and you're a West Australian boy, so they're looking after you or how does that work?
2: Yeah, so I, I was pretty talented as a, as a young fellow. I'd played um, state footy. Lark um, medalist. Yeah, I did win the Lark medal, which was two cups. That was a couple of years later, but I'd... Um, a strange story. I was actually I left school when I was fourteen, and I wanted to go and do an apprenticeship. I wanted to actually do a football apprenticeship, which was I thought jockeys ride and they become you know professionals from doing an apprenticeship. I thought why can't there be a football apprenticeship? Well, actually, we could so still I left be on school. It still, yeah. has, it still isn't one of those. Well, well, they do it these days with cedar and, and other yep. footy programs, I guess, at schools now. But sort of ahead of my time a little bit in that <laughs> regard. So I spent all my time down the oval kicking a kicking ball and trying to hone my craft and skills. But So I ended up um, trying out for the state schoolboys team. It used to be the 15s and 17s were schoolboys and Teal Cup and had a really great carnival, dominated and got to the end when they announced a the state squad and I didn't get called out. I thought, what's going on here? And so the selectors come over and said, listen, mate, it's called the state schoolboys for a reason. You've got to go to school <laughs> if you want to play in a state team. So I had wow. to go back to school. Um, so I had to sign back for the second semester. I repeated in the second half of year 10. Uh, ended up being captain of the WA that year. <laughs> um, got All-Australian, got picked to go to Ireland. And a couple of weeks after the, the National Carnival, I was playing a local grand final here against Marist and tried to clean the Sunblock up, came off second best, tore a lateral meniscus, so not wow. a major injury. And out of the blue, West Coast gave me a call saying, yeah, we understand you've hurt yourself. Um, we might be able to help you out. So when and had my first operation, um, it wasn't quite right there was something just yeah not right about it bluffed my way onto the Australian tip went over to Ireland London had a ball came back my knee was blowing up like a balloon still <laughs> realised a surgeon had left a foreign body in my knee so oh, oh wow. cartilage got destroyed and that was the beginning of the end essentially so that's what sort of that that's led your me knee. to West Coast, yeah.
1: But, but was that the knee that finished your career down the track? Yeah, it is, Will. Yeah, right. so I
2: ended up spending 18 months training with West Coast from, what, 15 through to 17, which was just fantastic for a young fellow. As I said, I was a little bit of a scallywag, but <laughs> being in that professional environment at that time when they were a powerhouse just really showed me what you had to do to, to make the, the, the highest level. So when you say training, like I'm, just, I'm just thinking back to my time at West Coast,
1: 15-year-old <laughs> kid running around. I mean, you were were always a bigger bloke. You you played undersized as a
2: backman, but what does that involve training with West Coast as a 15-year-old? Are you you training? Well, it was mainly rehab, Yeah. yeah, because yeah, I wasn't able to play footy for that year and a half. So a lot of it was in the gym a uh, heap of work in the pool so I used to swim like a brick when I started but after a year and a half training with the boys I got pretty good yeah, yeah had to have the old pool, pool boy in to keep me afloat I don't have great buoyancy we yeah. generally sink the southern so <laughs> um, so that helped me out but yeah that exposure you know a lot, a lot of touch and those sort of things but yeah. um, you know as I said they were winning premierships back then and it was just a, a you know, the 1992, a team when I was sort of around at that sort of stage was just, um yeah, exceptional, as I said, for a young fella to be around and just to get that exposure and, yeah, got super strong and super fit and when I was ready to play footy again back at 17, then I was I was ready to go.
1: So, you win the Lark Medal, which is the best kid in the country, basically, under 18 or under 17? 17 it was back then, um 92, yeah. so you're with West Coast, that would tell me that you're going to be a... High draft pick no I mean West no offense, but west coast aren 't going and paying for kids surgery if so they don 't rate them as a footballer,
2: yeah, well, I thought I was going to go pretty early in the draft a couple of times all Australian, and as you said, the lark medal, which was yeah then the teal cut back then it was, it was the best and first for the Division one. Michael Voss took out the Division two right. medal that year, um, so there was a few good players getting around but. Well, from the way the story goes, is that West Coast had sort of knew the extent of my injury and had pretty much told the rest of the industry that I was no good, and they were going to take me with their last draft pick, which was 110 or something of that year. So huh. Foots going to end up rolling the dice at pick number 92 and away we went but draft day back then it wasn't televised like it is now so I'm sitting at home listening to the wireless you know it was like <laughs> waiting for the hourly or half an hour updates as who's getting drafted and I think there was 13 players from our Teal Cup team so our state team got drafted wow. that year and I was the oh. last one so any, uh, a, any memorable names? oh the Gasper boys played there yep. um, Sean McManus Peter Bell was under oh, wow. ages. Um, were, Yeah, some players yeah, it was, yeah a lot of guys Stephen Durica there was a few guys Tony Delaney Um, there's a lot of guys that ended up playing a a significant amount of footy so it was um, yeah I don't know it was a bumper draft but um, number 92 mate it was I was going to
1: say so West Coast Miss Out they take you at 92 which is hilarious as well there's not 92 draft picks anymore Um, they're they're out the window and so you rock up to the Western Bulldogs were you a West Coast fan growing up in Western Australia?
2: No I wasn't I used to actually love St Kilda yeah I used to love Tony Lockett he was my idol sort of that early teens I guess and um, so I loved the Saints and yeah, having that exposure. I actually wore a shirt once which I shouldn't have worn. I went and watched the 91 grand final when Hawthorne beat West Coast. Yeah. What, 15, 16, I guess, with my brother, and I brought a Hawthorne sort of shirt and it had an eagle in the crosshairs and it had some foul language on it. And I was wearing it one day and I forgot I was going to training. <laughs> I just went down to the Eagles training and I was like, oh, hang on a minute. I've got this inappropriate <laughs> t shirt on. So I had to get a jacket from the property stewards, 40 degrees in the middle of summer. I was like, this kid's a bit weird. He's What's Danny training with a jacket on exactly <laughs> <laughs> so, Yeah, so I didn't actually, um, but used to love going to watch the boys train, you know, I used to go and watch um, the Eagles. Uh, uh, train every week you know I'd go get the footies behind the goals and he's just every now and then sneak one under the the seats to have a little bit of kick with later on and um, yeah it was just great memories for me just watching the you know the, the professionals you know that's always what I aspired to do is so, play footy.
1: So you you're you drafted in 92 but you, you're a premiership player
2: in 93 for Claremont yep. and then you don't debut to 94 so how's that system? Working yeah on? so back then there was 52 players on the list And because I hadn't played footy for the best part of a year and a half, I basically had played, I think, three games of Colts footy before the the Teal Cup Carnival yeah. and Jared Neeshan was coaching uh, Claremont at the time he just said listen young fellow it's great you've been drafted but you haven't played footy f- you know, much in the last couple of years how about you stay a year play for Claremont play with the men and then when you're ready to head over to Melbourne you should be um, primed and ready to roll so right. it worked out very well for me I was lucky enough to, to play in a premiership in 1993 at Waffle Level as an 18 year old playing at centre half back which was yeah they're very hard to come across world, as yeah. you know it flags no matter what level of footy you're playing they're, they're hard to come by so yeah, it was great to get a flag, and by the time I hit sort of Victoria, you know, as a 19-year-old at that stage, I was ready to go in the, in the AFL and had a pretty good start to year. Yeah. My season played 24 in my first yeah, year. Yeah, every game, right? Yeah, and it was all downhill from there pretty much. But <laughs> yeah, got off to a good start. At least you started well. yeah, exactly, right. Did you,
0: um, were you, were you um, a bit miffed about having to stay at Claremont for, for the year? At the time, were you like, oh, I just want to go play? Or did you, like, I don't know, as an 18-year-old, some would be a bit pissed that they have to... Stay in the waffle
2: Yeah no I was actually Really comfortable with it To be honest Dan Because Hmm. yeah Because I hadn't played footy For you know A year and a half In those sort of You know Key years And um, it just gave me That ability To actually match it With men you know, from yeah. playing the well, last time I played footy was basically fifteen, besides you know a handful of games. So yeah. you know to step up and, and the luxury of having fifty two players on the list. And back then it's not like today where you get drafted and you're expected to play that next year. You really had to. It was old school. You had to earn your stripes, earn your respect. Most of the players would generally spend a, you know at least one year in the reserves, if not a couple before they sort of got a crack at the um at the league team. But yeah, it sort of put me in good stead moving forward because yeah, it's
0: the time I was ready to go.
2: Um, and stepped up and played every game, so it worked out well, Dana.
0: When you when you got to uh, Western Bulldogs, did you get a bit of? Um like, were, were the veterans a bit harder on, on rookies in those days? Did you, you know, carry around bags for them and a bit of some pranks and stuff on you? <laughs>
2: Not quite to that extent, but you did definitely have to earn their respect, yeah. You didn't speak too often, unless you were sort of <laughs> asked a question, you sort of just went in there, you learnt from the old stages. I guess Steve McPherson, if anyone's familiar with Super and Doug Hawkins, and they were the veterans back then, Stephen Wallace, uh, Mitch Wallace's father, so you didn't, yeah, you didn't speak too much, and um, you just sort of head down, bum up, and sort of got the work done, and... Yeah, I I used to love training. I used to love training hard, so I guess it was um, not easier to earn the respect, but if you come into a club with that sort of attitude and I was physically strong and physically ready to go, and um, so, yeah, it uh, worked out pretty good. You
1: were a physical player
2: throughout your whole career. Um, Early
1: days, you come in and play in the back line for the Western Bulldogs, playing against some good players. I mean, the (laughs) the 90s, there was some full forwards rolling around at the time. Did you play on any of the... The Dunstalls, the the, Ablitts, the Lockets Did you get to play on those guys? Yeah, pretty much played
2: on them all My, my <laughs> second game of footy I'm not sure whether you were there Ninety ninety four, Probably I was probably two. sledging you on Yeah, on the I'm sure It was down at the <laughs> Five-year-old your Park So I, actually my second game of footy I played on Gary Ablett Senior Perfect and Yeah, that's <laughs> not, so not what you want will. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never played fullback in my life You know, I liked playing center half back. You could sort of cheer a little bit there And get off and get a bit of footy And fill the hole a little bit And get a couple of sort of intercept ones there But playing one-on-one inside 50 against Gazadell don't count in your park mate it wasn't pretty he's kicked four <laughs> in the first quarter and I thought here we go it's going to be over before it's begun oh. yeah, he ended up kicking seven that day so he did well for the not, last not last yeah well he kicked 130 odd that year because there's a couple of backmen talking about yeah, oh it's wow, it's seven's not too bad seven, exactly right least back then at least he didn't kick 16 yeah exactly yeah. he was kicking 15 and 16 back then yeah it was, <laughs> it was, so I played on all the great I didn't play much on Plugger or Wayne Carey just they were a little bit big for me so just on the crossover played on but yeah. pretty much all the rest and Dunstall and, you know, the list goes on, you know, from Barry Hall, Fraser Garrick to, you know, James Hurd, did I say James, Matthew Lloyd, um, you know, Adam Goods, young fellow coming through. Uh, every week there was a, a champion, yeah, so there was nowhere to hide. And, you know, none of this zone defence I've got these days will, mate. It was just one-on-one inside 50. You wanted to be able to make sure there's a bit of pressure on in the midfield. If the ball was coming in there, yeah, it was the lamb to the slaughter. And, yeah, so I, I held my own against some of the, the greats. If you look at the top ten goal kickers of all time, i you know, played on quite a few of them. Bloody how. I probably um, helped them out get to, get yeah, to that yeah, thousand. Yeah, I was <laughs> close to it. Yeah, well, I was, I,
1: I was kind of thinking, you know, doing research for this interview and – um people that don't know you or haven't heard you speak, which a lot of people listening to this would be the first time they've heard Daniel Southern speak or do a lot of media. Um, you had a, you know, there was Danny Southern, right? And and you were this physical, hard-nosed defender. But from everything I've read, and I don't know you that well, but, you know, it, it, was it white line fever? Was it, was it this football aura that wasn't you? Because... I don't know if Danny Southern matches up with Daniel sitting in front of me.
2: Yeah, good point, Will. Yeah, I used to call it my stage name, Danny Southern. Yeah, I'd never <laughs> been called Danny before in my life, and went to Victoria. Dan, I'm not sure if you like getting called Danny, but I very rarely. I yeah, yeah. I never liked it growing up. Anyway, I went to um, Victoria and they branded me Danny Southern, but I, I loved the contest, Will. I don't know whether it was white line fever because, um, but I just loved the physical aspect of, of game, and I used to like to pride myself on my courage and you know put my body on the line when the time was there and. Um, Pay the price I got pretty busted up and hurt over the journey but I I guess the reputation I I played up to a little bit you know I looked a little bit rough and a bit rugged and got a a couple sort of decent head of hair yeah (laughs) (laughs) a little bit of rat tail or a mullet or whatever it might have been rocking at the time and um, so I, I sort of played up to that a little bit You know, my first year in in the AFL, there was a couple sort of, um, I guess, prominent sort of all-in brawls, let's say. um, Melees, or whatever you want to describe it as, that I sort of played a significant part in, and it sort of added to that reputation a little bit. So for me, it actually helped me in a playing sense because I wasn't the most talented most gifted player but you know if you could get in somebody's head thinking this bloke's a little bit loose or he's, you know <laughs> what's he capable of um, you know, played in my favour to a degree against the champions it didn't ever bother them I'm sure Gary Ablett was never intimidated me running down onto him <laughs> but uh, you know there's a few other players in the competition you could get in their head so it definitely helped me out but yeah, I just loved the the contest and, and like and it was a hard, tough. Not saying it's not a hard, tough game now, but it was. Hey, I'm pretty finished. I'm, I'm finished now, mate. Yeah. They're weak as the, yeah, they're it's weak. It's not, as not they. like it was. It was a yeah. pretty tough, brutal sport, and it still is. But um. well, well
1: I, I definitely you know as as a you know fan growing up, and I was only young when you were playing, but players like you and you know my p- favorite player was Darren Milburn growing up, and um that that hard physicality, I I, d- I did try to bring that into my game as well, so I can you know understand exactly what you're saying and. Um, Some people used to think, you know, white line fever. So I use that word, but I never thought I had white line fever either. I used to like the contest and like being physical. And I wasn't – sometimes I couldn't match it physically in terms of my my, uh, ability, maybe not strong enough or maybe they were a bit quicker or – so I would be physical. Yeah. Like that was a tool I had. Uh, you know, not taking a big specky, I would get physical and bash them up behind the plate. Yeah, hundred
2: percent. Yeah. Now we're talking, we're we'll yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, but could you
1: could you shake hands at the end of the game with everyone and it was yeah, hundred good, percent. Good? Yeah, hundred yeah. percent.
2: I I, I I got this, I, I did get reported a couple of times, try by video. Long story, a couple of those, <laughs> but I, I never cross that line in regards to you know belting someone or you know dirty elbows or snipe someone behind play. If they're a fair game, the ball was on the line and yeah, I used to pride myself on, on playing within the rules um, but pushing the boundaries of the rules to make sure you could have impact physically so. What,
1: what, what about what about the, the swimming teams? I just want to talk about that quickly if possible because you know clearly again, uh, research from my, and I would love to hear what you say about it, um, it's not a moment you're proud of, um, it was big over here in the West so when it happened and that, that would, some people would say that that was across the line you know, potentially what could or can't happen on the footy field what are your reflections on it
2: yeah well it was how do you feel about yeah it was it was a strange day that day as i said i grew up in the in the shadows of subac oval yeah and it was the first game back in wa as a 19 year old it was the last game of the year and um i was pretty excited about coming back to perth and playing against west coast and the incident started um, Steve Wallace had sort of bumped Brett Hetty right on the halftime siren and, and knocked him clean out. Yeah. And before you know it, you know, push went to shove and it was on. And um, so I was actually on the bench that at that time, and the the brawl started just in. Anyway, I've gone out there and I didn't mean <laughs> You've to come off the bench. Come off the bench, and because you were all going back to the race, and there yeah, one thing led to the other, and um, it was just a really unfortunate situation because I didn't mean to to hurt Peter. I, I, you know, I did get him in a headlock on the ground, and the rules were then. That, at the time where you're allowed to wrestle and if the umpire came and gave you a, a standing count for three and you didn't let go then you could get reported for it
0: That's like WWF. It was very much so <laughs> Yeah, yeah oh so. <laughs> like on the ground I don't know, imagine it eh? Yeah,
2: <laughs> Yeah. so it was um, So in, in amongst the hurly and burly of you know, 40 blokes and then there was blokes throwing punches, there was mm. plenty going on out there and so I just sort of had Peter in a headlock and, and held on and there was a few people dragging me around and and then um, I felt him go limp, and I thought, "Geez, this is, you know, it's not good." And um, so I've let go, and I looked down, and he wasn't in a good way. And his eyes had sort of rolled back in his head, and I, I him, thought he was dead. I sure. thought I'd sort of killed him. I did a little bit of judo when I was young. You talked about other sports and stuff. but So, you know, when I did have him in a headlock, I had him in a really good grip. and um, It was just one of them unfortunate things that happened. And it got really messy after that because it was the last game of the season, as I mentioned, and, and we got flogged and we jumped on the plane and headed back and didn't know what had happened very much. You know, we'd gone back in. After half time we'd come out and Peter wasn't there um and we just pretty much jumped on the plane and took off not not knowing his condition or his health or anything like that so it wasn't until we got back to Tullamarine and as a you know heap of meat at the airport that I thought geez okay maybe he's not in a good way and uh really struggled with that personally um you know, I was a young fella coming to the game and the media exposure went around it. We, we were playing Geelong in the first final. The one that Billy Brownless kicked the goal after siren. He was on me that night. So, wow. cut of a long story. So, that led into Yeah, that. so that led into that. And it was a big investigation from the AFL because none of us had, well, I hadn't done anything outside of the rules of the game. You know, so it was a big investigation and then I think there was about 20 players got cited. Um, it pushed late into the week so it was too late to have the tribunal hearing so we went into that Geelong game without having been to the tribunal yet and then I went the following Monday I think it might have been right and oh, so funny. it dragged out and it was you know Ivan Milat was killing backpackers in the Belangelo Forest and <laughs> I was on the front page of the paper wow. yeah. front and centre for that, that week and it was yeah it was a really challenging time for me and uh, there's not support Back then, there's not the support like the players have these days. There's no one guiding me. We just sort of, you know, rolled with the punches and...
0: No one's writing your a statement. Well, you had, no, yeah, nah, you, had, you had to play in a final. The, had to week, play in a well. final,
2: yeah, that night. And it had a pretty good game until that last minute when my opponent kicked the goal after the siren, which was... And Gary Ablett was actually, I have to be honest, he, he eye-gouged one of my mates, Steve Crediok, and it was on behind play. And, you know, I was sort of living regret because, you know, I used to like the physical aspect of the game. Yeah. And I, I watched my mate get sort of... Touched up by Gazza And didn't really Have the guts to go and Yeah Because of what had happened Because of what before. had happened Yeah Because I hadn't even been To the tribunal And I just about killed Someone the week before And it was on And it was like What do I do here You know So huh. I've sort of gone And got him off him But yeah It was um I was torn Yeah And still still am to this day Well yeah, I mean You can you can hear it in your voice That you know Have, have you same Summer? I, I saw him only a few years ago, Will. Hmm. And as I said before, it didn't have that connection. No one had socials. There was no, nothing like that. So, yeah. you know, landline, we probably could have got on the blower and, and give him a call on the landline and left a message if he had a, a voicemail back then. But so I never, I never saw Peter for, yeah, until we played West Coast the next season, I guess. And then, um, you know, once you've sort of got that rivalry on the footy field, you, you want to sort of keep that. You <laughs> know, to a degree, yep. you know, you want to try and use he's that. Was a good might player, a, yeah. It was a very good player, and the West Coast were a great team. You know, and they won the flag '94. So if we could play them, you know, and have a little bit of a competitive edge psychologically, then that was you know, hopefully playing our favourite. Never did they always smoked us, but um, and so then once the water had passed under the bridge, you know, well, before you know it, nearly 15, 20 years had passed before I had the opportunity to actually catch up with Peter. And I had seen him at one event once, and um, I yeah I shit myself and I took off yeah I didn't have the nerve to go and approach him and apologize and then it was only by chance I saw him at a coffee shop in Fremantle and you know, I was talking to my wife and said oh there's Peter Sumich and she said well get off your seat and go and yeah go and say so to him so got a good, yeah. lady, got a good lady behind yeah, you yeah she definitely yeah knew how to make me walk off the cliff it was like, <laughs> and he was with a go few mates as well I was like here we go um but no he was brilliant you know and um so I just apologized to him and gave him a hug and um, yeah, the way he accepted my apology You know, obviously he, he was very disappointed with what had happened And I know his family was And, and they have every right to it as well You know, so it was mm. nice to actually put that one to bed It was a few years ago now But yeah. only, I'm talking only, only two or yeah. three years ago yeah. yeah
0: Did you um did you cop it a fair bit from the crowd? You said you, you didn't see him again till we played mm-hmm. West Coast Because like, if you think Andrew Like sort of Andrew Gaff versus yeah, He still gets booed to this day from the, from the Brayshaw thing So what was that like with the crowd?
2: Yeah, it was... Pretty Pretty intense Subiaco Oval back then, so every time we came back and played the Eagles, yeah, it was uh, yeah, <laughs> nice you, welcome. You made <laughs> nice sure the well- mullet was flowing. Oh extra yeah, long. you bet. Yeah no, and it's it's still cop to the to the. To this day, really, um, you know, West Australians have got long memories, and it was a very significant event back then. I ended up getting fined ten thousand dollars for it. Um, didn't get found guilty besides bringing a game into dispute, but which was twenty five percent of your salary. Yeah, back then, yeah. So you know, that's a big fine. Yeah, if you look at it today, it's what the someone f- on a million bucks getting to two hundred and fifty thousand yeah, dollars fine. That's huge. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was my first year, so I wasn't on a million bucks. But if you let's look the first year, you play 100 plus, you know, it yeah. may be yeah, equivalent to maybe 50,000, I guess, in today's sort of mm. money. So, yeah, significant whack. Mm. And, um, you know, and, and the West Australians do have long memories. So, if I'm walking anywhere these days, someone often heckles me or comes out as a bit of a, <laughs> a joke about it. But you know, it's uh, yeah, it's, it hasn't been forgotten. That's for sure. Um,
1: appreciate you talking about that, mate. The, I, I did want to transition to playing back to playing on some of those greats. I, I, I watched something before about Gary Ablett. So Gary Ablett was I'm Geelong boy, yep. I'm from Geelong, right? So he was the guy. It was just what a God champion, damn how, damn how good it was, is he? Best was, player
2: of all time for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: you said that he used to commentate ga- like yeah. games behind the play. Like so, so again, me fullback not a lot of guys talk. Tom Hawkins was a bit of a talker. Um, Lance Franklin knew he was better than you, so you should just tell you. Yep. Was it Gary Adley <laughs> used to stand watching the play commentating. Commentating,
2: yeah. It would be like, yeah. I should have listened to him a bit more closely. Wouldn't wouldn't have kicked seven, you know, if I was reacted <laughs> a little bit quicker. But, you know, he'd go up for the the ruck contest. He goes, Barnes, he's up, taps it down to Hocking, at the couchy, and he's a be stone and he'd give you a whack in the guts, and off you'd go. And next minute, he's sort of, yeah, he used to hang in the air. You'd jump yeah. early and just sort of hover and they just clunk it and you say oh here we go but <laughs> yeah so he was, he was yeah it's like that, a that involved in the game that he would sort of was reading it but was sort of yeah vocalising at the time so I mean isn't from a man who's kicked over a thousand guys go- he kicked over a thousand yeah he, he did, did yeah. Like, yeah, so it obviously worked yeah.
1: was, it, was it a tactic was it a was it just like almost in, in his back or was it like another voice like what was going yeah, on oh, I guess I, he
2: was just yeah just that focused and concentrating. yeah that he was sort of trying to read the play of what was happening or I mean, what his teammates were capable of and they used to spin their the, you know, ball pretty good out of the midfield and once someone's out loose and look out that's when you get you on the lead but yeah so the next time I played him actually I did listen to his commentary he only kicked two so it was much better than the seven he got the first day Will so I did learn my lesson a little that's, bit that's
1: very yeah. good Gaz knows where this is going <laughs> yeah. <awesome> um, <laughs> yeah. okay so you played at uh, Western Bulldogs Winton Oval uh, the tradition uh, again from afar it seems like a traditional club a football club you know some teams around the league I look around and don't know if they're a footy club Western Bulldogs are a football club you played in the last game at Witten Oval. Um, can you speak about that, the, the, uh, the supporters, the footy club, what it was like to be a bulldog?
2: Yeah, it was amazing. You know, very working class, um, you know, the the geographical landscape of the western suburbs of Victoria and Footscray in particular, um, very grassroots, working class, sort of blue collar, and they, they just really embraced me. Um, the people of the western suburbs, and I used to drive a one-tonne ute with a V8 and had pit bulls and had the mullet and, you know, it was probably stereotypical, you know, the, the, the blessed son, here he comes, yes. he's come home. So, But you know, it was really just playing that sort of suburban ground and, you know, we never used to get big crowds there, but it was always wet and windy and, you know, it helped me playing down back, you know, playing on Dunstall and these sort of guys. You're lucky perfect. you can get them in perfect conditions, you know. It would be howling and belting down with rain. It'd be muddy. It was like, brilliant, I'm a chance for you know. He's only going to kick a couple. He's not going to kick 10. So. Strap him. Yeah, He's exactly right. Him. So And and I was really fortunate when my first um, pre season, I was over at the Bulldogs, um, that late great Ted Whitten uh, had lost his license. So Kim Costa, I ended up playing in a couple of flags at, um, at Adelaide, was his chauffeur, and I had nothing on. So I used to go out with with Ted Whitten all day, pretty much every day, taking him to his meetings and those sort of things. And he used to spend a lot of time in Geelong working for Adidas. And so Teddy was, um, you know, the, the heart and soul of the western suburbs and, and, the, and the Bulldogs. And, and you spending, were driving him around? Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> Classic, hey? Yeah, so it was like, and he was so entertaining. Yeah, he was just great value. And he ended up giving me my nickname. My nickname was Yox. So just spending that sort of three months with Ted and we got to the first Guernsey presentation and um, I was number eight and he goes, number eight, the ox And I was like, well, that must be me yeah. so yeah he, so, so everyone took me in and it was just yeah felt really privileged I guess to be part of that fabric of the footy club
1: what, what sort of a bloke is he? there wouldn't be many people around that had because spending time in a car with someone is very personal right you're not just sitting there in silence what sort of a bloke was he
2: always up and about yeah. you know loved he'd loved being Ted Witten you know and he, he was larger than life and he had a couple songs written about him so you'd be sitting in the car and he'd like Put on the old cassette, and he'd like, Fellas, listen to this. And it'd be a song about <laughs> Teddy. And then he'd like, Undo the winner. There was someone would be walking there. I remember there was a bloke in the car next to he goes, Hey, Knackers, listen to this. <laughs> and he's like, turned it up, and it was like, Teddy, EJ. And it was like, So he was brilliant. You know, he walk down the street, and if anyone got in his way, he was sort of not too happy about it. You know, he was like, <laughs> The king's coming through. But, uh, but he, was, he had a heart of gold, you know, super generous. And uh, I was really lucky to have that exposure to, you know, yeah. such a legend of the game. But, at um, you know, <laughs> in my first you know few months at the footy club, and yeah, obviously you know uh, the Witten Oval um, was the Western Oval prior to that, and you know playing that last game it was another incident we had with the Eagles. Will so yes. I wonder why they hate me. Yeah, <laughs> so yes. it was um yeah that last game we uh, we welcomed Michael Gardner to the, the kennel. Uh, which ended up being quite a significant event again. So uh, a little bit lighter that. in the back pocket. Yeah, know. it was that time. Only seven and a half thousand. Did you make time. any money out of football <laughs> No, or did mate? You I'm football? still in debt. I'm still paying it off. <laughs> still paying. Yes. Yeah, oh so, no. Everyone thinks, oh, you must have done well out of footy. You do the sums. No. Yeah, I did. <laughs> <Still> <laughs> yeah,
1: did, did didn't the Western Bulldogs, you know, Coterie Group or fans group try to raise money to pay some of your fines? Well, they actually
2: did. Yeah, they actually did pay that. That ten grand. I didn't actually pay a cent of that. I ended up making some money out of it in the end out of reality <laughs> like it was yeah i got it yeah it was and back then the original yeah, crowd They actually rattled tens back in the day where you'd walk around getting the gold coin donation type wow. thing, and they yeah they raised the ten thousand wow and, and then i kept getting money sent into me like yeah, what, in the mail like six months in the mail you know at the footy club you'd rock in on a on a tuesday morning there'd be a stack of um you know letters coming in for the fans and stuff <laughs> and great. there was like five tens Dollar <laughs> coins. It was costing me a fortune in postage. It was like you have got to stop. I was trying to people send it back. It coins. Like, so I got to the stage where you know, I can't keep sending it back. So yeah, it was. Uh, but just the, you know, the, the kindness of the, the people who you know yeah. who rattled the cans and yeah, paid the fine for me. So
0: it That's didn't cost me anything. In
2: the, in the That's hour.
1: amazing. Yeah. Um, so you're you're a backman, but you kicked some goals. Dan Dan was actually yeah. you
0: you're, I was watching some highlights. You kicked probably one of the most creative goals I've ever seen. Do you remember? Do you know the one? Does uh, one come to mind? I he know he one, knows. I, I know, bet you he knows. I know that one did pop up on social media not that long ago.
2: It was yeah. a set shot from thirty meters out didn't make the distance, <laughs> and then it was. Oh, if right. you watched it before, oh, if it's no, a goal it, over my sort of head when I was yeah, kicking yeah. on the goal line, yeah. I, I had a set shot from about 30 out it didn't make the distance and i <laughs> up going out of bounds on the far side it was like Jesus oh, well the old set, drawing up, board. Yeah, set, up, set, the set up the up goal the play, mate. Yeah, what's so. the goal
0: so you, well, you explain you exp- you exp- so your back's to the goals yeah, on the goal so, square so I'm on the goal
2: line and then it was a, like as I said it was a banjee throw and I think you from know, your kick from, from my <laughs> kick it didn't make the distance from 30 back <laughs> <laughs> back <Batman. laughs> <Batman, yeah>, exactly <laughs> right. who put him up forward yeah and anyway so it was a ruck contest I think one of our players socketed it and another one. And I'm sort of on the goal line and I've sort of thought, okay, we'll join the party here. And I've sort of just socked it over my head as I'm sort of jostling with I think Brad Scott or Chris got one yeah. of the Scott boys yeah on the goal line and, uh, you like know, it and it was
0: like a it was like a Ronaldo move oh. like flicking <laughs> it over his head was not great. quite off the ground like Ronaldo I just imagine the a athleticism mullet, and mullet yeah, yeah. tail
1: flowing in the breeze <laughs> r- rolling out a bicycle kicking the yeah, goals yeah,
2: uh, <laughs> mate so yeah I've got 28 goals out of 103 games so not a bad return for a, <laughs> for a not, for a not like he was taking, keeping tickets either yeah, knows yeah, exactly how many I do know the stats of that one because everyone asks did you ever kick any goals you know I said yeah 28 are the best that's they always it. say you remember your first goal in footy. I don't know about you. Will. I can't remember my first goal in footy. So
1: mine was on my left. Was it brilliant? Yeah, and yeah. no one knew. No one knew. I was, yeah, I do remember because yep. I'm pissed off about it. I came off the bench, and I I was meant to go in the back line. And this is again, this is like back in the day. This is 2008. It would have been so it wasn't not that long ago. But <clears throat> instead of going back, I just the ball was on the other side. I was like, i oh, stuff it. I'm just going to run forward. So I just ran the fat side of the ground to the goal Beautiful. square and the ball sort of followed around and no one knew I was there, got kicked over, someone miskicked it, landed in my arms and I sort of played on and kicked on my left foot. It was – I will say it was my uh, – one of only two left foot kicks I did my whole career. Really? And it was it was my first. Yeah, no
2: one was out in the full. Yeah, no, yeah and yeah. Got <laughs> put, got put away in the yeah. golf
1: keeper. Yeah. But no one knew it was my first goal because it was oh. it was sort of halfway through my second season – it's kind of one of those ones, like, I was a backman, like, no one even know it was a first goal. So, maybe, like, I was carrying on like it was my first goal. It was, like, fun person, no, gave me a high five. Yeah, so I don't like
2: it is, like, these days. Everyone yeah. knows who's kicked goals. Yeah, that's, that's right. How, Social media, man. Yeah, that's what it must yeah, be. I'll get missed get out. On socials.
1: Um, so, your footy career, um, you play over 100 games, Western Bulldogs. You play in two final series, both straight sets. Um, if I'm not mistaken,
2: yeah, I played. I think we played. I played seven seasons. We missed finals one year, right? Which is '96, it would have been. But yeah, we '97, '98 were our years. So you we, had successful sides. Yeah, right. we we were in the hunt. We were in the mix. '97 was was our year. Yep. Um, and I I missed the final series that year because, right. Um, you spoke about the West Coast last game at the Western Oval. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we <laughs> cut a long story short. I got. To, <laughs> got fined for that game, seven and a half thousand. The following week we played Hawthorne out at Waverley and Scott West was wrestling with Shane Crawford and I think Richie Taylor. And I've sort of come from behind and grabbed one in one arm and one in the other and we've sort of gone to the ground and I've got pinched for wrestling, trial by video, and got suspended for a week. Wow, and missed the final. And missed the final. Um, strength and conditioning is not like it is today, mate, so I used to go and do the tan. So I went and did the tan a couple of Sprints up Annan Street Hill and pulled up a little bit short. And so missed the prelim. And then we oh. would have, it would have been right to go for the grand final. But we were, I think, 28 points up with 15 minutes to go in that 97 prelim against Adelaide. And, Adelaide. Yeah, they overran us. And, and that was it. So it was as close as we got. But we were a good team. Um, and we had everything you sort of needed. We had some class that could finish. We had blokes that would just, you know, just workhorses who'd roll the sleeves up and get the job done. And we had the guys that would push the, the rules of the game. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, just not good enough at the end, unfortunately. We'll so yeah, we, we're close. So your career finishes though as a twenty-five-year-old. Yeah, twenty-five, done and dusted. Bung man, yeah. Basically. Yeah. So what killed me is that two thousand season. We um, it was a the first season they opened Marvel Stadium, and they they laid the grass there on I mean, a Thursday night. It was like night. a car park. Oh, it was a car park. It was, and so we round one was away. Then we played seven games in a row there and and i never played footy again so you know someone has got degenerative bone on bone condition i was falling and chipping big bits of bone off of my knee i've got a couple of jars at home with you know a couple sort of pebbles of bones that sort of chipped off of my knee so you know it got to the stage where i was having needles to train needles to play it before half time three-quarter time even at the end um get it drained midweek couldn't i had a victorian terrace house so i couldn't walk upstairs on a friday afternoon and you have to go and play on a you know, Matthew mm. Lord or whoever it was back then, <laughs> Yeah. Um, good luck, yeah, so it just got the end where mentally I couldn't put up with the pain anymore and, yeah, tapped out at 25, unfortunately, but,
0: yeah, that's the way it went. So the ground was just that hard that when every time you ran, it was just like jarring your Oh, yeah, it, bones. Was, it
2: killed me, Dan, yeah, it did, right. um, you know, with that, that particular knee condition that I had, it yeah. was, um, yeah, very, very sore.
1: People, people again who don't know you well would see that uh, you made a move to Egypt uh, post career. Um, it wasn't your first time to Egypt, though, before we get into your time there. You, you traveled there a bit
2: during your career, didn't you? Yeah, I was really blessed that you know, I had the opportunity to travel when, when I was playing footy. So every year I'd take off for the off-season and you'd get the 10 weeks off and I'd just jump on a plane and this was Lonely Planet guidebook days, you know, no internet, and that. So you just go on a wing and a prayer to wherever you could go as far away from footy as you could. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I'd travel a little bit in Egypt prior to going to live there, but you know, my love in life was wildlife, love animals. Yeah, you know, so I used to go on safari. I loved sort of indigenous cultures, so I'd try and meet First Nations people around the world. Ancient history, so I'd go and have a look at some of the great sites around the world. And, yeah, so my travels did lead me to Egypt a couple of times before I went to live there, but um, that was a whole different experience going to live in, yeah.
1: Well, this is what I mean about Danny Southern and Daniel Southern. I think people think Danny Southern with the rat's tail he used to get people in headlocks and bash people up on the field to hear you talk about ancient history, love of animals, <laughs> love of nature, indigenous culture...
2: Like it's you, you, you. That's who you are, right? Very much so, yeah. yeah. And and so it was sort of yeah. As I said, the stage name was Danny Sutherland, but me behind the scenes, I'd um you know as I said, I left school when I was fourteen, and so I wanted to really educate myself by travelling. So, and so I'd spend most of my time away from footy was down at the local library and as I said, there was no internet back then so if I wanted to research, you know, Kenya or the Maasai or the San or whatever it might be, I'd need to go to the library and try and find a book or an encyclopedia and, you know, get your one paragraph of knowledge <laughs> and there it is, it's in the the memory bank and then sort of take it from there. But you know, so I was sort of always trying to just develop myself and particularly those areas of interest that I
1: loved. What sells papers? Danny Southern suspended half seven and a half thousand dollar fine
2: or Danny Southern seen in the library. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do no, anyway, I wouldn't it? believe it. Yeah, you know, exactly. The average punter wouldn't believe it, but that's yeah. how you used to seek refuge. Yeah. It, was, it was terrific. And you know, having a, a, a little bit of a profile back in Melbourne in the day, it was sort of always hard to escape. Um, you know what it's like here in a sort of two-team town that you, you can never escape the sort of scrutiny in the public sort of, uh, I guess, wanting to, you know, connect with you which is a wonderful thing but yeah didn't you lose obvious. your
1: didn't you lose your passport at the first time you went to Egypt?
2: i did you've
1: done some real good <laughs> research yeah
2: no I was pretty raw pretty ready <laughs> yeah so I've, I've landed in cairo and i'd already run out of money at this stage so the first trip when you landed foot, yeah i went on a footy trip we went to vegas boys a 19 year old with a couple old wily veterans so it <laughs> <laughs> was a bit of an eye-opener and then took off went to london went to amsterdam had a flight booked to cairo and uh, I was going to Kenya. Mum was living in Kenya at that stage. So, I, um, anyway, I've landed in Cairo and I've got hustled at the airport like you do and ended up with a taxi and he sort of ended up taking me to this dodgy hotel. I had no idea uh, <laughs> where I was going to. And then I checked in that night and I just thought, okay, well, where's all my gear? And, wouldn't believe it i left my passport in the back of the taxi oh, like, oh here we go. what's so that feeling got like no money <laughs> no money no passport <laughs> what am i gonna do here and luckily luckily i'd organized because he was a hustler he'd, he'd organized to pick me up the next day to take me out to the pyramids and take me to papyrus and gold and oil shops and this sort of stuff to try and make an earn. but so he's rucked up the next morning and sure enough the passport's still in the back still seat of the car so no man, i was like it was a sleepless night and I, yeah, I couldn't contact mum. And I yeah, had no idea, mate, but it, it worked out well in the end. So <laughs> Well, it was you a, got back into yeah, Australia. Sleep, so oh, yeah, and I got to Kenya and I went on safari and I saw my first lion in the wild and it worked out well. Uh, what about your time in Egypt and
1: uh, you met your wife there, you had first child there, it, it, an eventful time. But um, pretty special as well. I mean, it set you up for life, right?
2: Yeah, I went with a, a backpack and came back with a wife and a kid. So <laughs> I definitely <laughs> went the wrong path somewhere. I wasn't quite signed up for that. But yeah, so amazing experience. So yeah, I spent the best part of 10 years in Egypt in the end. And uh, So after footy had finished, I was a little bit lost in transition for a while. I was working in the media, just doing six, seven hours of media work a week and studied tourism. I went back and studied tourism. I was like, okay, what can I do that I'm really passionate about that I can sort of have a career and, and and travel it was so I ended up going to Egypt to work as a tour guide or tour leader so I was based in Cairo and was running trips from Cairo through to Istanbul through Jordan Syria Turkey wow. and trips in Libya so I did that for like three years on the road it was just an amazing experience loved it
1: stupid question speaking English like yeah, are you well, doing this in English or
2: yeah well it was all I uh, worked for a company called Intrepid Travel uh, Australian Melbourne based company and so all of our clients were right English speaking yes um, but you know when you're you're on the road, mate, you've got 12 paying customers and you're trying to get from Cairo to Istanbul and you don't speak Arabic and you don't speak Turkish. And the first time that I went to Syria and Turkey I had, and Libya, I had 12 clients coming with me and I was like, all right, let's go to Syria. Pretend, pretend like you know what you're doing. All <laughs> exactly, right, you're the right, bus. exactly right. You tell me, yeah, that's not intimidating. You hop wow.
1: off a bus station. Don't worry Mas- about, Ga- don't worry about Gary in the goal square.
0: <laughs> did you, did you still have the... the the hair at the time? The rat tail. I'm No, not the rat tail. I had a full
2: mane of hair. I grew my hair nice and long. My, my wife would say that I was, had to comb over and I was sort of putting on the last stand before I had to concede and went bald. So <laughs> this I is the your last that. You're genuinely mean. I had it a long, you know, and I, was, I thought it was long, thick mane of hair, but it was Thim. probably a bit thin. <laughs> <At> <laughs> yes. Best. yes. At best. I was married with long hair. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. just, just covering the baldness. Yeah, <laughs> so My wife... Before we got married, it was like she got the hair yeah, scissors to it and cut it off. But yeah, so that was a yeah intimidating experience. But I'd always just try and fill the punter, you know, the, the customers with confidence that okay, I've travelled to sixty countries. I haven't been to Libya before, but you know, you're in good hands. I <laughs> you know, hope for the best, mate. You had a couple of sort of cheat notes, but once again, there was no internet or anything, so you. You hop Are off Are you just making they, things up As you go Like if someone Asks you a question You're just like Oh yeah that's because of this I, I'd always try and be As honest as I could okay. You know But there was times Where you sort of Okay, I don't have the answer for that. I don't know how to get out of this bus station, but let's go. Yeah. <laughs> people probably people would have had the best time of their life, yeah, because it, it was real. Yeah, it definitely was real. And, and back then, the Middle East was still pretty volatile, you know. So my first 12 months leading to it, I missed 12 bombs by the space of sort of 24 hours. So wow. I'd just been somewhere and an accident had gone off. Or I was on my way there, so you have to divert and find a new route. So it was action-packed. Wow. Yeah, it was never a dull moment. Amazing experiences. And yeah. I hope to think that all the people that travelled with me had a great time because, you know, we we travel, you're not selling anything tangible. It's an experience. So yeah, it was definitely war, raw and it was, um you know, we were taking public transport. It wasn't, you know, tours and coaches and those sort of things. It was like, let's catch whatever we can. Let's just get from A to B. What we'd about um there.
1: converting to Islam, mate? Eh? So religion, I mean, it can be a heavy topic, but if you're comfortable talking about it, I've been incredibly intrigued as how that comes about I
2: suppose yeah so basically early days when, when I was 6 5 or 6 we went backpacking through Southeast Asia um, through Indonesia predominantly and it sort of gave me some early exposure to Islam and then once I started playing fully um, you know travelling the Islamic world a fair bit and I used to live in Flemington in Melbourne and there was a, a place called the Doadan Cafe uh, it's a Somalian guy called Mah- his name was Muhammad Ali yeah, <laughs> who owned this coffee shop but Muhammad's the most popular name in the world and yes. Ali's the second most so. Perfect. so Muhammad Ali he was a champion so I used to go and um, seek refuge there with all the taxi drivers and stuff and eat, a, eat meals there probably two or three days a week and so I used to have yarns with, with Muhammad we'd talk about religion and culture and huh. all sorts of stuff so he, he really educated me about the religion and then September 11 happened and at that stage it was you know Islam got obviously some really negative media um, and every sort of Muslim was a terrorist and those sort of things. I thought, well, that's not Islam I know. It's not the friends who I I share company with. It's not from my experiences I've had traveling the world. And so I started to delve a little bit deeper and explore a little bit more and uh, get a little bit more of an understanding. And then when I went to live in, in Egypt, and I guess it was about a year of living in the Middle East, it just felt like a natural sort of progression for me. So I did what they call the Shahada, my confession of faith there in Cairo. And yeah, that was oh, nearly 20 years ago now.
1: Huh. And so, so it, so it y- sort of led me there. If that's like uh, hmm. a practicing Muslim? Is, that, is, that, is there yeah. is there differences between that? Oh, it's it's
2: uh, like any religion will. Yeah. You know, I guess most people, Catholics or Christians around here, whether they go to church or not, does it yeah. mean if they're practicing or not. But, yeah, you know, I, I fast during, yeah. during during Ramadan and um, I'm probably not as devout as with my prayer. It's a very disciplined sort of structured life if you pray five times a day. Yeah. And, you know, things get in the way. So I'd not religiously pray five times every day. But, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm Muslim and that's in my heart. And, yeah, that's cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like that. So, you meet your wife over in Egypt as well. Um, yeah. and She didn't know what she was getting in for. <laughs> like, <yeah>, like, <laughs>
2: some burnout out hippie with long hair. I oh, don't know why she fell for <laughs> me. Will. Seriously. Like, please. That's unreal. Me. So,
1: uh, how, how many kids do you have? Is so, you
2: got two boys. Yeah. yeah so, I had Zachariah who was born um, in Egypt. So, can he you was ta- born G- right in the middle. Yeah. Of, can you talk about that? Yeah. The Egyptian revolution. Yeah. So, that was a pretty interesting time to be in the Middle East and – and um. My son, or my wife was was due on the twenty fifth of January, which was the day that sort of the revolution started um, in Egypt, and so he ended up coming to the world on the second of February. So it's sort of almost two weeks, yeah. yeah, a little bit longer, a little bit longer than a week in, yeah. into the yeah into the revolution, and so it was um, yeah, an amazing amazing day because when the revolution took place and all the police withdrew from the streets and it became lawless and the government released about 30,000 prisoners on the streets and it was just on for young and old. So if you actually did go out in the street, every 50, 100 metres, you'd come across a checkpoint and it would be sort of armed men with whatever weapon you can imagine. Like militia? Yeah, well, some were militia, some were police, some were thugs, some were c- civilians just looking after their... Neighbourhood. Right. block. Yeah, yeah right. So you didn't know what you were going to run into. So, you know, when we had to book my wife in to try and have a C-section because she was so um, overdue. Uh, just getting to the airport was... Oh, uh, airport, sorry. I wish I could get to the airport because <laughs> yeah. we were trying to evacuate. I was working in tourism at that time. We were trying to evacuate everyone out of the well, country. Well, because
1: on the day that um, your wife gave birth, that was the day they said all foreigners out of the city, yes, right?
2: Yes, yeah. It was, yeah, they, they started targeting um, their foreigners because they said there was a, a foreign hand involved in the revolution. So we actually had a friend, uh, Australian guy... Um, who come to visit us in the hospital? Who got um they got attacked on the way to the hospital and got the car smashed up and were pretty lucky to get away with their lives. And um, so they were targeting foreigners. And so, as I said, I was working in tourism. We evacuated 500 um, passengers that we'd had work. You know, when I was working with Intrepid, and there wasn't too many foreigners left on the ground. So the day that my son was born was called the Battle of the Camel, which was a pretty um famous day in the in the revolution. And as a crow flies, we we're probably a kilometre away from Tahrir Square where. All the action was going down and it was you know gunfire all night and helicopters flying around and you know here i am and the, no there was no phones so there's a cuddle you know phone service and i'm sitting in the hospital and it was a you know most exciting year of father yeah you know you know the joy that that brings but then sort of sitting there in that uncertainty that okay we're going to have to ride this out who who knows what <laughs> what the well, next you know you know few days or months or what's going to unfold but yeah we rode it out and yeah we we yeah, dodged a few bullets through the through the revolution. Little, yeah, little where, little where we were, because where we live, we have an apartment out near the pyramids, and where the the major prison sort of they let the prison out there it was on the way back into Cairo. So they all came back through our sort of neighbourhood, and it was a new sort of residential sort of compound development area. And so all the prisons were coming through. So every night there was gunfire and stuff, and we look out wow. the windows, and it was wow. yeah, pretty intense. It was, no, not really – it was yeah, hard to explain it, you know. It was scary but – Did it seem is, real? No, no, nah, you know, that, that surreal sort of feeling. Mm. But, you know, I'd barricade every time – every night before we went to bed, I'd barricade the door just just in case, you know. i just put a shoe rack there and a couple other things. Uh, if anyone did try and come in, at least we had that little line of defence before. Mm, yeah, but, but, yeah, nothing nothing happened and we, we got through unscathed. And yeah. Yeah, but a powerful time in history – um, you know the Arab spring and to to be part of it and y- my wife <laughs> this is how crazy I am, so the revolution went. <laughs> down the first day and I thought, geez, there's too much action going on here, I've got to go and get in amongst it. So <laughs> my wife, as I said, she was heavily due, so I chucked her in the car and we drove down to Tardare Square and I've left her up on the bridge on the Nile and I've gone cruising through the streets just looking for some, some action. <laughs> oh my <laughs> like, gosh. What do you mean cruising <laughs> for some action? <laughs> yeah. What are you cruising? So oh no, shorts you know, just to see what happened, you know. Yeah, really? A lot of buildings what on fire. What did you oh, there's a lot, of, a lot of buildings on fire and um, a lot of sort of tanks around. And you know, all the police vehicles that used to be these big van things are all tipped over and on fire still and um, let, let,
1: let me let me guess, your wife's not too happy about it. <laughs> no, she's not that.
2: happy at all. Yeah, I could imagine she couldn't contact me either because there was no phone, so I'm off cruising around. You think you get in trouble in if it. you My stay God. out late having a few
1: beers. Imagine <laughs> getting left on a bridge
2: while there's a <laughs> national revolution.
1: I'll see you sometime
0: soon. I know,
2: she didn't know what she signed up for, the poor thing. <laughs> Why uh, didn't she just stay home? <laughs> yeah, well, she was worried about me. Yeah, thought, <laughs> right. you know, yeah, you can't go down there, but I did. Yeah, and, wow. yeah, we got through it. But yeah, so.
1: you got um talking about the kids. You got you got sporting blood in you. Uh, your your wife's dad played national
2: soccer for yes. Egypt. Is that yeah, right? he did. Yeah, so he played with a club called Zamalek, which is like a Collingwood, let's say, of the of the AFL. You know, whole so team. everyone hates team. Them. Yeah, <laughs> everyone hates it. Well, There's two teams, Zamalek and Ali. So he played with. Probably yeah. the, the one that's more like the Ali, the, the good. Yeah. So, yeah, so he was a prominent, yeah, high-profile player and played for the national team. I think two of our uncles played for Zamalek as well. So, wow. so yeah, so he's, got, he's got some genes, yeah, on his, his mum's side. So... Yeah, we'll see how he goes. He loves his footy, and he's pretty ambition and ambitious, and he um he moves pretty well naturally. So we'll see how he goes. Unreal. Yeah.
1: Is does awesome. fa- that mean? Is son father,
2: father son? Yeah. So he's eligible under father son to the Bulldogs. How old is he? He's uh eleven. Okay. So, yeah. Long way to go, but he seven poor little fellow. Go. He 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 plays year six, and he stepped up yesterday. Played year sevens. So they needed a win to make the final. Last passage of the day. He's done this desperate act and broke his arm, so oh. he's sort of put his body on the line for his. Did not they, even his team. Did they win or lose? They won. They won by a point. Oh, well. <laughs> Break thing. his arm. Who cares? <laughs> <He'd be right. laughs> he couldn't play finals anyway, but he took one for the team, so I was really proud of that. Well Because well, well he got it all plastered yeah. yeah, It's all in a car, so I oh. spent the afternoon yesterday at the hospital. But mate. Yeah, that's footy
1: though, isn't it? So oh, it is. Oh, well, It's good he's got a dad like you. You can yeah. say, all <laughs> right, just dust
2: yourself off, yeah. mate. Exactly. You'll be all right. You'll be right. Come <laughs> yeah. back bigger and better next time. What about um,
1: a couple of things about the current games? We spoke about it a little bit um, uh, before about the physicality involved. I read something about you coming back hadn't haven't seen footy for ten years, and you went and watched the footy, and you are a bit underwhelmed. Um, that was ten years ago. What, what about now in terms of just watching the game? Like, how, how do you see it as a past player who played on some of the great full forwards of all time? Do you like watching it? Do you what do you th- what are your thoughts on
2: yeah, it? Yeah, I love footy as much as I ever have, and I guess having. My, my sons love it so um, I'm forced to watch the footy which Good. is a shame isn't it yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. but I, I still to be honest with you I don't enjoy watching it live as much you know just purely because the numbers are always flooded back and as you know, it's congested and yeah. half the oval's empty, there's not, you know, just a full forward and full back sitting down in a yeah. goal square, you could heckle and you know it's always a little some bit of some commentary. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit of action, exactly <laughs> right. So so I don't particularly like watching it a live still love the atmosphere of a live game, don't get me wrong, but when I watch it on the T V and is focused on the action, how quick they are with their hands and decision making and those sort of things that you know, I love the game as much as I ever did. It's you know, they they had to take a lot of those sort of, you know, shirt fronts out yeah. of the game just to protect, you know um, a lot of past players are in a bad state with a sort of you know, legacy of concussion yeah. and those sort of things. So it was open slather back in my day. So, you know, I, I did, mi- I, I have to be honest, I do miss that, you know, that physical aspect yeah. of the game. But they're, they're supreme athletes and they hit real hard and they move real quick. Yep. And there's nowhere to hide on the footy field. And I guess with so much, you know, so many bodies around the action, yeah, you get, you're going to get hurt out there. Did, so did you go to the grand final last year? I did, yeah. It was. Amazing what? to see the Bulldogs playing a grand final here. The result didn't go away, which was disappointing. But you know that Melbourne performance in that second half of that third quarter Incredible. was just staggering. Yeah, what, it was a, staggering. what about sixteen? Yes, did, did you oh, yeah. I yeah, I did. There? I went to Melbourne for that. Yeah, which was so you were living here? Yeah, so over? yeah, so we're back in yeah we back in <clears> WA. And yeah, as soon as the Dogs got over the, the Giants in that prelim, I booked a flight and didn't have a ticket and went on a wing and a prayer. And the, the Dogs ended up coming. Through with the goods, ended up going to the um, MCC president's lunch. So I was hobnobbing (laughs) it that day, mate, and it was just (laughs) amazing (laughs) experience, you know. Just for more so. Just for the supporters who, as I said, they embraced me as a young guy coming to the club, and just to see what they'd been through over such a long period of time without success, and how loyal they were to their, their footy club, and just to see the joy and excitement on, yeah. you know, the supporters' face it was just—and uh, and some of my teammates, boys, were playing, so you know that Libba. your Libba's young fellow was playing, and Lockie Hunter was yeah. obviously running around and. Um, so that makes it pretty special as well when you some of your old teammates um the next generation plus pretty so cool. and even even
0: like one of your current teammates and Bob Mur- well one of the teammates you had Bob Murphy being involved as well in that which which surprised me this morning I re- well was looking and saw that you guys were teammates because Bob Murphy just doesn't seem like he was <laughs> playing as when you were playing that was a long yeah, time
2: ago. so I got Bob just on the crossover so my last season was 9000 and Bob's f- did no you 2, 9, <laughs> he said nine thousand. <laughs> nine thousand. Lost nine thousand. I've lost a plot. Yeah. So two thousand was my last year. It was, his yeah, first. it was his first. Yeah. So we just sort of So you it. taught him everything you know. I did. It, yeah. I did. We did go on a preseason game to Wellington together. Wow. Actually, yeah. Um, so we didn't have a lot of we didn't have a long career together, but still yeah. having that initial sort of I guess um, relationship, you know, I like to think that I used to welcome new players to the club pretty well. Um, he probably got a different view on it. He's probably that, like, he's me the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's he trying to kid? But um, yeah, so it was good to have that connection and I played with Luke Beveridge. Um, my, my very first pre-season camp, we shared a tent together when we sort of went sailing down the, the Gibbs land. So, so you
1: had your fingerprints all over the yeah, premiership. Yeah, so we there, did. Mate. Yeah, exactly
2: right. was, Yeah, I'm going to claim it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It very good. My doing, but yeah, it was a unique special experience.
1: Dan's got one last question to
0: finish can us you, off. Can you please tell us about uh, your hair being stolen? <laughs>
1: Well, yeah. your hair, but then your hair being stolen. So it was the hair that was playing along with everyone, right? You, you growing the mullet out. You you like it, yes. liked it. Oh, yeah, of course. It's not yeah. past tense. I loved it. Yeah. I
2: said, I thought it was a nice, thick, healthy mane of hair, but <laughs> so others you mean, would disagree. But so
1: it, it got st- stolen so, yes, off yes. your head.
2: So basically. <laughs> what it's, it's called happens, genetics, mate. Yeah, <laughs> mine got stolen
1: off my head too.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah, I said before, my wife... Went the snip? She cut it off, and so I was cherishing this ponytail that I had. Wow! And I had it in my drawer with all my sort of, I guess, over there. I didn't have too much. I met with a, a backpack and came back with wife and the kid, but I had a few little personal belongings that were in a drawer. And my house got broken into. And um, what had happened is, the people that owned the apartment lived upstairs, and they had a maid who had a key to our apartment. And so she'd come in and helped herself to, you know, iPods and cameras yep. and a little bit of... Jewelry, Straight down in cash. Convinced. And my hair. What? You would not believe it, my <laughs> hair. So when I would sort of <laughs> try to work out what had happened and then I was, went to the owner upstairs and said, listen, mate, someone's been in the house, what's going on? We worked out it was her because they found the camera and they found you know, the other stuff sort of stashed away in her room in their apartment. And I said, mate, what about the hair? <laughs> don't worry <laughs> about, the, <laughs> don't about the stuff, Don't worry about the stuff. That's irreplaceable. The, the, hair's never, the hair's never coming back. And so you're trying to explain to some Egyptian sort of <laughs> middle-aged man that my hair has been stolen, like, in my bad Arabic. Same. And he's like, he's what? Like, yeah, mate, you can't yeah, hair." I said, I don't want the camera or the iPod. I just want my hair. And he's like, mate, your hair's not coming back. Did you get so it back? No, no. So I was worried about witchcraft. I'm sort of... Wow. yeah little bit of a connection to the spiritual world and yeah, that yes. sort of stuff. And there's a thing called Higab over there where they do witchcraft still I was worried that she was going to do a little bit of witchcraft with my hair. So that huh. was my major concern. And also the fact that my hair was never coming back. And <laughs> that I was, was the last, last, last of it, mate. The last rain. <laughs> that <drain>. is just <laughs> unreal.
1: <laughs> You've actually made me think, I'm going to get Dan to do social media, okay? You're going to do it by yourself? Because okay. I need to go back and I need to show Daniel on okay. our podcast a photo of me from a footy trip in years oh gone by because that photo makes
0: me sick. I, I i'm gonna yeah, get the yeah. photo all right so this is
1: social media i can introduce this social media i'm sure you know about this it's probably why you're here social media one of the great podcasting segments of all time not social social. yes you saw what i did there that's right <laughs> social media where the people get to ask you the questions you've heard enough from dan and i this is yep. from the people for you mate Brilliant. so we've got a few here actually some.
0: uh this is from shane. And i'm gonna find this photo yeah, you find that photo shane haddo uh did you ever get an offer from a barber to sponsor you I didn't get an offer (laughs) from a barber, but I did have a a barber and
2: killer. I should remember her name. But uh, she used to do the, the handiwork for me. Not quite like Dusty and these sort of guys yeah. that get groomed up before for every game. Yeah, no, nah, yeah. mine was a once a month type sort of job, but you yeah, never had the sponsorship. But uh, I don't think they would have done very good business, mate, if I'm the, the pinup boy for their, for their
0: barbers. That's, that's good. for sure. We,
1: while we're talking about hair show, I've got the photo. So let's yeah, yeah, go.
0: Let's, let's go. We'll put, so, on, um, we'll put this up on YouTube, actually.
1: So in about 2016, I'd grown my hair down to my chest, basically. Um, and for the footy trip, uh, myself, Tom Barras, Jeremy McGovern thought it'd be pretty funny to shave uh, just the top. You went to fry tuck, but put the hat on, and so Beautiful. it just looked like I had the same hair. And it was to see how long I could last on the footy trip without anyone noticing. And Brilliant. it was four days to, to answer the question. So that's what I was rolling around like, <laughs> right? So it looks like it's it looks like it's Love. made up, but that's real. And I had a hat Brilliant. on my head. Uh, we'll get that up on uh, on the show. People. that, but. So once they found out, I thought, what else can I do? So we had uh, one last big night, we got the razors out again, and we ended up in a bathroom shaving uh, some sort of fashionable um, thing to go out with that night. Now, I'll show you the picture in a second, but uh, my memory is <laughs> basically they're – we're in Darwin, and the security guards in Darwin—they're um, pretty used to seeing some strange things, right? So we're going in, and there's five people in the line in front of me. And he goes, "ID, please. Uh, where have you been tonight? What have you been drinking?" Okay, no worries. Giving everyone the full rap. Four people in front of me. Okay, what's that? Why are you wearing thongs? What do you? What do you got on? Gets to me, looks me up and down, and goes. Brothers, what's going on, brother? Come in. like Have a great night, mate. You want to drink cards? Go in. Get in there. Because I had the Hungarian whip, oh, nice. right? That's it's time. quite good, isn't it? Brilliant. I love so, that.
2: I, I used to have... I know. I forgot that I was Danny Southern for a day. (laughs) Give me the
1: Danny Southern. (laughs) this is the Danny (laughs) Southern. This isn't the Daniel Southern either. (laughs) So this is the Danny Southern. Is a plaited rat tail that comes down halfway down my back. And I walked into a Darwin nightclub, and they've never been happier to see anyone (laughs) in their life. (laughs) Um so there anyway, there we go. That's enough about here. Uh what are we up to? Up to Sean Caddy, Chatty? Yes. Sean Chatty, underscore.
0: Uh of all the current players who could pull off the dirty skulllet like the magic carpet you had flowing uh of all the who uh, sorry, who could pull off the, the dirty skulllet now that you had flowing back? Pardon me for start
1: no please please there you go.
0: Sorry, of all the current players uh
1: Of all the off, current players who could, could pull off the, off the dirty, dirty skulllet like a magic carpet you had flowing at the back of your head back in the day? I'm
2: gonna put a comma where there should Maybe. be. Maybe. Dusty would work very well, I reckon. Dusty would work good, but it it makes me reflect. And you look at someone like Bailey Smith. You know, he's a pin-up boy of the competition. Probably looks a little better, a little bit better than what I do. Yeah, as far as uh, the cosmetics (laughs) and stuff like that. But his, his mullet is. You know, all-time Outstanding. epic sort of level. The, the Muller's coming the back. Yeah, I know. So You're a trendsetter. Yeah, yeah. Before, yeah definitely ahead of my time. Yeah. So. I would love to see the uh, – who's – Mitch Robertson's got a little bit of a rat tail yeah, at the moment. I saw so that. That's it's almost of an strange. off – it's an off yeah. kilter to
1: one little too. Thin one. A Jedi yeah. tail. Yeah, yeah, correct. <laughs> um, oh, this is just a reflection. Ali, Ali and
0: Bo. Uh, my very first signature in the autograph book back in the Claremont days. Must have been yours. Wow. I didn't yeah. think I had an autograph back in the Claremont days. <laughs> 1993. I'd like to see it
2: and see if it's still my autograph. Did you notice the Western Bulldogs that, jumper back in I did like notice that. that when I came in. It's, yeah. And
1: the Orca? You would have played against that, I, I, reckon. I reckon. Or was that early 2000s, maybe. maybe
2: I might have missed that one, but it's good to see the the Bulldog one up there. You've gone uh, all out there, yeah, Will.
0: Um,
1: Inception underscore Incept.
0: Uh, who was the worst and best teammate to room with at away games? Oh,
2: I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. With. Like
0: my memory of footy is, is gone. gone. <laughs> yeah, the
2: sixty-four megabytes, mate. A memory is full. Yeah, when I spend that time in the library, I have to dump. I you reckon know, I've dumped a fair bit of my footy stuff. But yeah, I, I used to room. With Steve Critiok, he was, you know, backman, yeah, all playing down in the men's department, used to stick pretty fat. So he didn't have any uh, out of there sort of. This uh, is the sort of man I like to have on the podcast, men's department. department. So we've got some
1: merch here on Backchat, Danny. They're all, um, uh, they're all backman merch. So one of them says on the back of it, it was the midfield's fault. (laughs)
2: 100%. (laughs) Correct. That's That's, um, there's another
1: one that says, uh, forwards, uh, sell memberships. Mids signed sponsorship, you know, Bitcoin, backs win premierships.
2: Never been a truer word. Correct. Never been a truer word.
1: <laughs> so if you do want to get those, backchatpodcast.com.au forward slash merch, and we'll get Daniel out of the door in yep. some, I reckon, today. Double Dragon 45.
0: Our favourite country to travel to? Oh, it'd have to be.
2: That's a really tough question. You've been, been to, to a, to a few, a, by i Yeah, oh, I've been lucky, yeah. I'd say Egypt purely because of you the industry there. History give ke- there. But give me for me one. to travel. I'm I'm uh, Kenya. I'll go to Kenya. Wow. Yeah. I love the, the Maasai tribe, you know, I always wanted to, to be a Maasai warrior, which back in the day meant you had to go and kill a lion with a spear, which would have been pretty intimidating. Javelin thrower, yeah. yeah. Javelin Javel throw. Javelin maybe Yeah, and they'd braid their hair. And that my, my hairstyle was a little bit inspired by the, the yeah. Maasai moran or the warriors over there. But you got some spears, didn't you? Yeah, I do. I've got a couple of spears, yeah, hmm. I do. I have one that um I... Actually, change it for a couple pairs of smelly old footy socks and a disposable <laughs> camera. If you remember, the disposable camera, <laughs> yeah. get one shot. This poor Masai, like he was going to take his 24 photos and then, <laughs> I <don't know> what else is going to do with shot. that in a Masai Mara? But anyway, so I was no developer down the street. Yeah, but he actually hunted a, a lion with that particular spear. Wow. So I've got a couple at home, which that's are, pretty special. Yeah, special. Give them a throw down no, like the Nah, I've never re- gone and thrown <laughs> them mate. It would be pretty ugly, I reckon, <laughs> if I tried to launch one of them. Yeah, uh, so I'd say Kenya for the yeah, culture and the wildlife.
1: That's yeah, that's incredible. I mean, you've been to some, you know, a lot of African travel and Middle Eastern. Is that sort of.
2: Yeah, predominantly. Where, yeah, yeah, done, yeah, a lot of, most of South America as well. I actually haven't done much of Europe. Yeah, my philosophy is that Europe's been pretty consistent for the last hundred years, where the <laughs> developing world was changing quite rapidly, so I wanted to go huh. and explore yep. and, and interact with some indigenous cultures while we had the chance before they were influenced too much by the West.
1: Does it underscore, sorry, does underscore it underscore blend? Um, we, lo- we love an underscore
0: here. If you weren't um, drafted by the Western Bulldogs, where would have you like to have played? As in which
2: team? Probably. Yeah. Oh, I would have loved to play for one of the big... Melbourne teams like you know at Collingwood would be yeah I know a lot of people Uh. hate Collingwood but as far as you know supporter base and you know I think yeah, the the pie supporters are very passionate, and you would you have know, had some pie supporters that. with the same haircut. Yeah, I reckon. definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I might, might add a few more teeth than a few of them, but <laughs> yeah. I think Collingwood would be a, a great club to play for. Imagine playing in front of eighty thousand every week. Ah, oh, every week. I don't
1: know if you yeah. saw the Collingwood Carlton game. Um, we sort of make these a bit timeless, but if you saw that game, ninety thousand people at the MCG, both sets of fans just going ballistic as a point. The difference it'll be spoken about for. Literally decades that that game. Yeah, it was hmm. a incredible. Finish one. It was good for the
2: bulldog supporters too. You know, I was oh, that yeah. one the whole way. I was yes. that the whole way. Yeah. 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 So the, the bulldogs players are going
1: bananas yeah. in the rooms. Um, yeah, we're not sure when this will go to air, but hopefully, you know, after bulldogs win a premiership this year, um, uh, I do want to say two more questions left. John underscore boy underscore Jones. Uh,
0: did you did you enjoy pre seasons and how do you uh, prepare for them? I love pre season. The preparation wasn't good. The preparation.
2: <laughs> I'd always have surgery. At the end of the season, and yeah. I'd take off traveling. And so, a lot of my travels actually took me to high altitude. So, I would walk around just sightseeing, being a tourist, and I'd actually come back and like blitz the 4K time trials. And everyone would say, What'd you do in the off season? I was nothing, <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> just walking around at altitude, you walk 10Ks, whatever it might have been a day, sort of sightseeing, and you yeah. come back in really good nick. But I used to love training. Uh, in, in reflection, it would have been good to have bit more you know development as far as you know strength and conditioning um because you know when we did the pre-season back then regardless of what your body uh, condition was in you did everything so if you're doing a 10k road run like be running a 10k road run you yeah. know, you're never getting a leave pass so you know i might have played an, another year or two i wouldn't have got another 10 <laughs> years out of my knee but you know definitely probably would have that, got a couple more the, years if you're playing in the current sort
1: of climate. well that's the travel stuff you, you end up in wherever you end up i remember we we did a trip to uh, israel and tel aviv and we we're meant to be there for about three nights and we stayed for about three weeks matt spanger and i and a uh, training look we, we used to run but it would be on asphalt yep. you know, rather than going to an oval, there was no ovals down where we were staying, and so you just end up doing like a six k session on asphalt and be sore for days because you'd go and have a couple of drinks afterwards, and then you'd go out and do no recovery, <laughs> and, then, and then it'd be about five days before you go for another run. So traveling, I'm similar. You love traveling, but it wasn't coercive all the time to a great pre season. Not at all. <laughs> uh, last one uh, from you can go that the be- big ticket, the big ticket uh, best footy trip story.
2: Best footy trip. You went to Vegas, yeah, we I mean. That Vegas? And what happens in Vegas? It stays in Vegas, <laughs> doesn't it? Yeah. But <laughs> there was a few shenanigans. Yeah, so I don't know if you guys know lizard wrestling. Lizard wrestling? Yeah, I don't no, know much no, about no. lizard <laughs> liked liked no idea. Enough enough <laughs> lizard <laughs> lizard <laughs> <guy>. <laughs> Things happen on footy trips, but yeah, so you get a belt and you oh. put it around your head and I and someone is. else's head and they sort of, you have to pull backwards. But when guys are <laughs> lizard wrestling and they're butt naked, that's not pretty. <laughs> so, <laughs> I won't throw anyone on the bus, but that was probably a young man at 19 years of age going on a footy trip and watching two grand men lizard, lizard wrestling. It was not pretty at all. So, yeah, that scarred me for life. Perfect. Uh, that, that,
1: ladies and gentlemen, brings us to the end of Dan Southern the podcast. Mate, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Some great stories, great memories, a great footballer, but also you know, a fair bit going on outside of footy too mate so it's been a great chat thanks for coming in yeah, thanks, thanks
2: Will thanks Dan yeah, it's been a pleasure
1: now I know you'll know all this stuff Dan but just to remind our listeners you want to find us on socials backchat double underscore you want to send us an email hello at backchatpodcast.com.au uh, all of our stuff is on our website backchatpodcast.com.au a big thank you to all of our supporters and sponsors Whippersnapper Shelter Blue Bet, Margaret River Roasting Co Leadable Cameras and of course Dean Bradley Real Estate uh, you guys help us do what we do um, pretty good right
2: brilliant good Ben. Couldn't have done it better, mate. Very good. Uh, we'll see you at some time on the next week.
3: Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra.